Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. Thank you and welcome to our study tonight of the book of Ephesians. Tonight we are in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14. In just a moment we will read those verses. Just a little bit, uh, another reminder about the book of Ephesians. It was written, of course, by the Apostle Paul. The book of Ephesians is one of Paul's prison epistles. That is, he wrote this book while he was imprisoned in Rome. He spent some time in uh, the city of Ephesus, according to the book of Acts. Uh, Paul spent about three years in and around Ephesus, preaching the gospel, leading people to Christ, and helping uh, to establish a strong and vibrant church. Now that he's in prison in Rome, he wants to write back to this church to give them some encouragement, to give them some instruction and direction. And so uh, we're, we're studying this wonderful book. It's a book that speaks to us in a great way today, as all books of the Bible do. So as we get into our study tonight, this is our st second study in the book of Ephesians Let's read together Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And tonight I want to read these verses from the New Living Translation. Now, the New Living Translation is not necessarily the best translation that there is of the English Bible. But in, uh, in, these, in this particular case, it does present a very vibrant and beautiful picture of these verses. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And so we're going to read these verses from the New Living Translation. And here's what the Apostle Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and, he gave, and it gave Him great pleasure to do so. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He has showered His kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us His mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill His own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for He chose us in advance, and He makes everything work out according to His plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance that He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify Him. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 is a declaration of praise. And in these verses, 
The Apostle Paul does three things, basically. First of all, he praises God the Father. Secondly, he praises God the Son. And thirdly, he praises God the Holy Spirit. He praises each person of the triune God for the part that they each person played in our salvation. In this passage, Paul says that the Father selected us. He says that the Son saves us. And finally, he says that the Holy Spirit seals us. Again, the Father selected us, the, Father saved, uh, the Son saves us, and the Holy Spirit of God seals us. So let's look at each one of these truths that the Apostle Paul presents to us in these verses. First of all, he says that the Father selected us. Paul said that before the world began, the Heavenly Father had a plan. And that plan was to save all of those who chose to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Paul said that the Father predestined that those who would believe in His Son would be declared holy and without blame, would be adopted as His child, and would be made acceptable to Him because of Jesus. Now, based on this passage and what Paul has to say, about the Father selecting us, let me answer three very important questions. First of all, question number one is this. Does God know everyone who is going to be saved? Well, of course, the answer to that is yes. God does know everyone who is going to be saved. In His divine omniscience, God knows every person who will receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Yes, God knows everyone who is going to be saved. Here's question number two. Does God predetermine those who will be saved? And the answer to that, and listen very carefully to the answer, the answer to that question is, yes, God does predetermine those who will be saved, but He does so in this way. God has predetermined that every person who chooses to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be saved. So in that sense, God does predetermine those who will be saved. God has declared, He has predetermined that every person who chooses to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be saved, will be born again, will become a child of God. Here's the third question. Does God predetermine who will be lost? Does God predetermine who will be lost? And again, the answer to that question is this. Yes, God has predetermined that every person who refuses to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be lost. Now, here's a very important thing to remember. The person who chooses to be saved is a part of the chosen the person who elects to be saved is a part of the elect. If a person is part of the chosen, then he will choose to be saved. If a person is part of the elect, then he will elect to be saved. There's a great discussion these days about Calvinism and predestination. These verses speak to that, but not in a way that many people think. Yes, God does predetermine who will be saved. He has predetermined 
that all of those who will choose Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be saved, will become Christians, will come to Christ, will become a child of God. And God has predetermined that all those who refuse to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord will be lost. There's a great discussion these days about Calvinism and predestination. But here's the bottom line, and here's the bottom line answer to all of this discussion. Jesus has told us to witness to everybody, so we are to do it. Jesus has given, given us a command, a great commission, to go into all of the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, God knows who will accept Jesus, and he, he knows, God knows, who will not accept Christ. But His church doesn't know. I don't know. We don't know. And so our job is to carry the gospel to the world, carry the gospel to everyone in the world, starting at our own doorstep. We have been given that commission and that command to go into all of the world sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, God knows who will be saved. God knows who will not be saved, but we don't. So we have to witness to everybody. So in this passage, the Apostle Paul says that the Father has selected us. He has selected all of those who will receive Christ to be His child. He has predetermined that those who will choose to receive Christ will be saved. Second of all, in these beautiful verses, the Apostle Paul says not only does the Father select us, he also says that the Son saves us. Verses 7 through 12 of Ephesians chapter 1 is just a beautiful and very powerful statement of the salvation that Jesus Christ has provided by His sacrificial death and His glorious resurrection. The salvation He has provided for all of those who will receive Him as their Lord and Savior. Basically, Paul says, four things happen when a person receives Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 12. Four things happen. First of all, when a person receives Jesus, Paul says that the Lord redeems us. He uses the word redemption. The word redemption literally means to buy out. The word redemption pictures the purchase of slaves in the ancient slave markets. By His death on the cross, Jesus paid the price to redeem us, to buy us out of bondage, the bondage of sin and evil. When Jesus died on the cross for us, He paid the price to redeem us. He paid the price to save us from the penalty of sin. The salvation that Jesus gives us is complete. First of all, when Jesus saves us, He saves us, first of all, from the penalty of sin immediately. We are finally, fully, and forever forgiven. Second of all, when Jesus saves us, He begins the work of sanctification in our life. He begins to save us as we love Him and live for Him in this world. He begins to save us from the power of sin. We begin to have victory over sin in our life. And ultimately, when we go to heaven, Jesus will save us from the very presence of sin. And so Paul says, when we give our life to Christ, Jesus redeems us. Second of all, in this passage, Paul says that when a person receives Jesus, Jesus forgives us. 
The death of Jesus on the cross paid the penalty of our sin. When a person believes in Jesus Christ, our sin debt, not in part, but in whole, our sin debt is forgiven. And we are forgiven finally, fully, and forever. The word forgive means to send away. When we give our life to Christ, He sends our sin debt away. It is paid in full. We are forgiven. Thirdly, the Apostle Paul says when a person receives Jesus, not only does He redeem us and forgive us, Paul says when a person receives Christ, He secures us. It is God's will that one day, Jesus will gather every saved person to Himself in the new heaven and the new earth. The one who saves us is the one who secures us. My friend, we are saved by grace and we are kept saved by grace. We are saved and secured by the grace of Almighty God. We're not saved by grace, and then it's up to us by our good works to keep our salvation. Here is a truth. It is true now. It will be true tomorrow. It will always be true. If you could lose your salvation, you would. You and I better be glad that the security of our salvation does not rest in us and who we are, as saved as we are. We had better be glad that our salvation, the security of our salvation, rest in He who keeps us from falling, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So when a person receives Jesus, He secures us. Thirdly, Paul says in this passage, when a, when a person receives Jesus, He makes us heirs of God. Not only does Jesus redeem us and forgive us and secure us, he also makes us heirs of God. Those who believe in Jesus, this passage teaches and the Bible teaches, those who believe in Jesus inherit unimaginable spiritual and eternal riches from God. In the things of this world, we may not be very rich, but for the saved child of God, in the things of God, in the things that really matter, in the things that will last, we are indeed wealthy beyond what we can even begin to understand. And it's riches that we have not purchased for ourselves. These are riches that are ours because of Jesus and who He is and what He has done in our life when we gave our life to Him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. It says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Those who receive the riches that Jesus makes available, those who believe in Him, are rich indeed. We are heirs of God. So the Father selects us. He has predetermined that all those who will trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord will be saved. That is His predetermination of who would be saved. The Father selects us. Second of all, the Son saves us. 
when we give our life to Christ, Jesus redeems us. He buys us out of the bondage of sin and evil. He sets us free from the, the bondage of sin and evil. Not only does He redeem us, He forgives us. Our sin debt to God is forgiven finally, fully, and forever when we give our life to Christ. Not only that, but when a person receives Christ, He secures us. We are saved by grace. We are kept saved by grace. And when a person receives Jesus, He makes us joint heirs with Him, heirs of God. We have received unimaginable spiritual and eternal riches from God. We may not be aware of those things yet and fully, but one day for all of eternity, we'll, we will explore the eternal riches that God has prepared and made available for all of those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. In this passage, Paul says, not only does the Father select us and the Son saves us, he also says in this passage that the Holy Spirit seals us. This is a Trinitarian passage in which you find all three members of the triune God. The Father selects us, the Son saves us, and the Spirit seals us. Listen again to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. The sealing that Paul refers to is the official mark of identification that was used in the ancient world. It was usually, the sealing was usually an emblem impressed into hot wax and then the wax cooled and the seal then could be seen. It was visible. This was used in ancient times to secure things, to put a, a mark of security upon ownership, uh, own, things that someone may have owned, to protect th things, to authenticate things, to mark the ownership of documents and possessions. Here's what Paul says, and here's what the Bible teaches. The Holy Spirit of God comes to indwell every person who receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The presence of the Holy Spirit of God in the life of the believer is God's seal upon us. In other words, when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within us, it is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our, in our life that authenticates and secures our salvation. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in the life of the believer that marks us as belonging to God. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit that protects us when Satan attacks and empowers us for spiritual victory. When I was a young boy, I remember going with my father to the local hardware store and I wanted to purchase a baseball glove. So my dad took me to the hardware store, which sold all kinds of things, including sporting goods. And my dad bought me a baseball glove. It was my first baseball glove that was my very own. I was so proud of that baseball glove. 
when I got it home, the first thing I did to that baseball glove was to write my name on it. I wanted everybody to know that that baseball glove belonged to me. It was mine. So I sealed it with a mark of ownership. I signed my name to it. When a person gives their life to Christ and when they are saved, God marks that person as belonging to Him. God marks that person as being His very own. And how does God mark us, authenticate us as belonging to Him? He gives us the Holy Spirit of God. It is the presence of, presence of the Holy Spirit of God that seals us as belonging to the Father. The Holy Spirit not only is the seal that God gives us, and by the way, it's a seal of protection, which means that Satan can never overcome us. He can never steal us away from God. Now, Satan can oppress the believer. He can attack the believer, but he can never overcome the believer because we have been sealed with the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit not only is the seal of the believer, but Paul said the Holy Spirit is also God's promise, God's guarantee, God's down payment, God's first installment, God's pledge, His earnest, that He will bless those who believe in Jesus as He has promised He will do. In fact, the word guarantee in this passage was sometimes used of an engagement ring that was given to a prospective bride by a man who had asked that one to marry him. And he would give the engagement ring. The engagement ring was a promise. It was a guarantee. It was a declaration that I love you. I belong to you. You are mine. And I promise that I'm going to marry you and we will be together. The Holy Spirit of God is God's promise to us that He is going to fulfill all of those promises that He has made to His children, all of those wonderful promises. He will never leave us and He will never forsake us and we will never be lost from Him. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in this marvelous passage... Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, in this marvelous passage, Paul says that the Father selected us, the Son saved us, and the Holy Spirit of God seals us. All of this was done for the believer, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it. Paul says that all of this was done for the believer according to the riches of His grace, which He made abound toward us. We are saved by grace, and we are kept saved by God's grace, amazing grace, wonderful grace, God's grace. We are not saved because of who we are. We're not saved because of what we have done. In fact, we are saved in spite of who we are. We are saved by God's grace because of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Well, that's our study tonight of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Thank you so much for 
joining us for this program. We'll continue our study of the book of Ephesians next week. Be sure to join us. This is Pastor Teacher Chris Hall, and my prayer is that may God bless you and yours in the days to come. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.